What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to do for what I haven't done in a while, and that's a buy and sell uh, as it pertains to fantasy football episode today. And we're going to, I mean, I'm just really going to go through five guys on each side of the aisle here. Five guys I'd buy on and five guys I'd sell on. I'll probably just rotate back and forth. I'm going to start with the buys, though. Number one, and um, this might seem like an obvious one or, or one that uh, isn't the most sneaky, but I think Nick Chubb is on the COVID list right now, so I think he'll miss it. Like he'll miss a game this week, which I believe that's a uh, that's a window of opportunity. Okay, I, I mean his, his status isn't fully you know out right now, but I think that in all likelihood he'll he'll probably miss the game this week. And if you could right now, if the Nick Chubb owner is in a position where he has to win a game, he or she has to win a game. And, um, you know, they're in jeopardy of not having Nick Chubb. You might be able to get him for something, you know, uh, you're not going to get him cheap, I would say. But you might be able to get a little slight discount. And I think that the the perception of Nick Chubb is less than the reality of the producer he is as it pertains to fantasy football. Okay, because I believe Nick Chubb, I mean, dude, when you look at this guy, all he does is produce. He has 100 or more, he has three 100-yard rush games in his last four of his last four games. You know, no Kareem Hunt. We don't know exactly when he's coming back. That could mean more receiving work for Chubb. Last week, he had 26 uh, re- receiving yards, which was doesn't sound gra- uh, crazy or anything, but it was the most receiving yards of the season for him. And it was the most encouraging part about that was the deep ball he caught on the sideline. You know, so I think. With more opportunity, he could be a pretty decent receiving back out of the backfield for you. And to me, we have only seen one game with him. Or I mean, uh, we've only really seen, I think, one or two games with him without Hunt in the lineup. And this past week, it was him coming off of an injury. So it wasn't like we saw him with a, with a crazy full workload in that scenario. I think that if Chubb is healthy and the best part about this, if you can afford to not have him in your lineup this week and you trade for him, uh, if he misses the week with COVID, that could give him the, the week to rest up and become really healthy, you know, for the in terms of uh, coming down the stretch and being able to really be that guy for you. But there's really been no one more consistent in terms of if you if he gets the work, if he gets 15 carries, he's going to turn it into 80 yards. He is, as I mentioned in the podcast the other day. He's one of like four or five guys in the NFL right now that can take any carry the distance. And I mean, in the NFL, that is extremely rare. We've seen guys that were, quote unquote, arguably the best running back in football in recent years have zero runs of 40 or more yards. Nick Chubb offers you the ability to take anything to the house. And that's so weird because it's such a weird combination or a rare combination, I should say, these days, because the guy's like 230 pounds. You know, he's not a he's not a little light scat, but he's not Christian McCaffrey, you know, and McCaffrey is obviously an every down back. Don't take that the wrong way. But my point about Chubb is he is a dangerous player and he can score from anywhere on the football field. And the Browns, we know, are a team that's going to be committed to the run. So I, I like buying Nick Chubb only if you can do it right now. I mean, I like it anyways, but like if you can do it right this second for you know one of the guys that's put on the sell list, like by example, Aaron Jones is the first guy we're going to talk about on the sales list. If you could trade like Aaron Jones and some 
flex option receiver for Nick Chubb just because the guy's worried that he's not going to have Chubb this week, that to me is a gigantic win. So let's talk about Aaron Jones because you guys are probably thinking, whoa, whoa, why are we selling Aaron? Well, two touchdowns total over his last six games, okay? Now, in that time, he's still averaging about 86 yards a game from scrimmage, you know, but he's not really been the most reliable guy from the standpoint of just volume, and his touchdowns have gone down. He had that three-touchdown game early in the year, but other than that, he's really not been a touchdown scorer with consistency, and as far as his receiving yards go, well, in the last four games, if you if you don't count the Arizona game because they were without – their top receivers, right? They had no receivers in that game. So, of course, <clears throat> Aaron was going to catch the football in that one, right? And he did. He had like seven for 50 or something like that in that game. But his receiving yard totals over the other four games, most recent four games, six yards, 34 yards, which is solid, 20 yards, and zero yards, okay? Last week, he had zero receiving yards, zero catches, one target, when A.J. Dillon had four catches for 44 yards, it right now is essentially a 60-40 split in terms of uh, what they're doing with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And I'm not talking snap counts. I'm talking actual workload. Like, that's what it's really been. And it's inching closer to 50-50 than it is opposite, right? Like, if you got, if you look at the most recent trends, it's looking like A.J. Dillon is here to stay in terms of getting that workload. And I think they're going to use A.J. Dillon even more than they use Jamal Williams, who we've seen this year is a pretty damn good player in his own right. So uh, they don't view Aaron Jones, and this is not a knock on him. He's not a Nick Chubb-built dude. He's not a guy that you want to, you know, 25-carry, 20-carry games with, right? He's a guy you want to keep at 12 to 15 carries, two to four catches a game. You know, and that's really what he's averaging, about 16 touches a game or whatever. But if he doesn't get the touchdowns, Right. If it, and A.J. Dillon is the guy that's probably so tempting, as good of a red zone runner as Aaron Jones is or a goal to go runner as Aaron Jones is. A.J. Dillon is literally damn near 250 pounds. It's hard to imagine from the coaching staff to just say, like, hey, why don't we just put this beast in there that we have on a rookie contract in those, you know, goal to go physical situations when we've got <clears throat> a bunch of money tied up in Aaron Jones. Why not keep him fresh in those situations? What like it makes sense, right? That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that Aaron Jones is never going to score another touchdown. I'm just saying it does make sense to give it to your big 250 pound cheaper in terms of financially right now, which you owe him running back. So and I mean, at the end of the day, the, the coaching staff wants to keep their, their main prerogative is to win games, do what's best for the team. Right. And keep the guy that they've invested a bunch of money into healthy and fresh. So, um, yeah, I just think that Aaron Jones right now, if, especially if you could trade him for Nick Chubb, I think that's a phenomenal deal. And of course, you might have to add a little something else in there. But to me, that's that's a guy that I'm looking to sell on right now, because I think that the name and that's one of the common things you'll see with some of these guys I'm asking you to sell on or I'm, I'm advising you to sell on. The name value, Aaron Jones, right? The, the name value is a lot of times greater than what the production value has been or what I think it will be moving forward in some of these cases. Okay. <clears throat> Another guy I'm advising to buy on, and this is kind of like the Nick Chubb one, is Jonathan Taylor. Look, dude, this guy is the RB1 over the last five weeks. That's, by the way, from, on a points-per-game standpoint, including Derrick Henry. So even if you put what Derrick Henry's done from a points-per-game standpoint over the last five weeks, and of course he didn't play last week, 
But just from a points per game, fantasy points per game, half PPR, Jonathan Taylor's still the number one back. He has had 100 yards from scrimmage in six straight games. Guys, he still hasn't carried the ball 20 times in a game. Snap counts, you want to talk about those? He's went from the first five games, his snap counts were ranging from 45% to 55%. Over the last four games, the lowest snap percentage he's played in any game, 65%. I did a video uh, before the season started, I think it was, at, like on if Jonathan Taylor gets like 55, I think it was 56% of the snaps, then he's going to return RB1 production. That was so right that if he gets 65% of the snaps, he's going to be the RB1. He's going to return the RB1 production. So, you know, just something to think about there. I think that's just what you're dealing with. And as I mentioned, still hasn't carried the ball 20 times in any game this season. He will have those games. They will come. So I am pleasantly surprised by the 65 plus percent snap count that he's, that he's shown recently. And I just think that his name value, his brand, right, of, of what he is, as a, what he represents as a football player right now in fantasy isn't quite as high is someone like an Aaron Jones. And I'm not saying you could, you know, most likely no one's going to accept Aaron Jones for Jonathan Taylor straight up. But the point is the brand name that is Jonathan Taylor is lower than the product than the producer that is Jonathan Taylor. And so I think that even if it will take more than just an Aaron Jones, I think you can get him. And I think you should damn sure do it. Like what if you offered Aaron Jones and Brandon Ayuk for Jonathan Taylor, by the way, in my, it's my opinion, and I've been saying this for several weeks now, that Jonathan Taylor, or maybe not several weeks, but at least the last couple of weeks, Jonathan Taylor's the RB1 the rest of the way. So that's what I think you're getting in any in a buy. Okay. So I would trade, you know, we'll talk about some other guys on this list in a minute um, in terms of who I'm selling on, but I would trade a lot of top tier running backs right now for Jonathan Taylor. I, I would do it in a heartbeat because that Colts offensive line is good. You know, even though they've been a little banged up, they're still good. The scheme is solid. He can score from anywhere on the football field. He's one of those guys like Nick Chubb that at any point, he can make a bad fantasy day, a great fantasy day with one play. And we've seen him do that in multiple games this year already. That's who you're getting with Jonathan Taylor, and that's why I advise you buy on him ASAP. Okay, uh, who am I selling on? I'm selling on Josh Jacobs, okay? And here's why. We know that he's been kind of a guy that will miss a few games with injury. I'm not going to call him, you know, uh, like super injury prone, but he but he is, in, to some degrees, a little bit injury prone, right? So we have to be honest about that. His ability as a receiver is just simply not as good as Kenyon Drake's. And the bad news for him and for fantasy owners is Kenyon Drake plays on the same team. Right. So if you have two guys and one guy's better at one thing than the other, then you probably want to get the ball to the guy that's better. You know, because at the end of the day, as, as a coaching staff, again, your job is to win games and to give it to the guy that's better in certain situations. And situational football is gigantic in football. Now, you want to talk about John, Josh Jacobs as a ball carrier. Well, he's averaged fewer than four yards a carry in four of his six games. He has had. 13 or fewer carries in four of his six games. And I'm going to take it one step further. Not only do I think Kenyon Drake is better as a pass catcher, but I think Kenyon Drake is a better football player. 
than Josh Jacobs. I think Kenyon Drake is better. I just do. I think he's more reliable from a health standpoint. And I think he is just a better player. You know what I mean? So, uh, look, if you're in – most people are in some type of points per reception league. Kenyon Drake is a more valuable fantasy asset than Josh Jacobs, in my opinion. So, right now, if you have Josh Jacobs, if you could in some way or another pair Josh Jacobs with whatever you had to pair him for to get a Jonathan Taylor, to get a Nick Chubb, to get – you know, I would trade Josh Jacobs for the next guy on our sales list, and that's David Montgomery. I would do that right now. Absolutely. And I think you have a chance to. So anyways, let's get on to uh, David Montgomery as we're selling on – I mean, I'm sorry, we're buying on him. I think that Khalil Herbert's success may scare fantasy owners into selling lower on David Montgomery now than maybe they otherwise would have, right? If if the Bears running back situation would be more of a, a running back by committee in the absence of Montgomery, I think we could, the Montgomery owner, if they've held him this far, they're like, hey, I'm not selling, right? Here's the other thing. <clears throat> I mean, but, and by the way, Khalil Herbert went berserk in some of those games. He had like 20 carry games, 100-yard games. He looked good. He was the only running back I've ever seen in the last couple of years to go for over 100 and really look good against the Buccaneers. And that was in an absolute massacre of a game. So that should tell you something about Khalil Herbert. So I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this to be disrespectful to Herbert, but what I'm saying is David Montgomery, guys, in his first game back from injury, and he was on IR. So it wasn't like a couple, it wasn't like a week or two thing. It was a several week thing against Pittsburgh. He played 85% of the snaps. He touched the ball 15 times and he averaged almost, I think it was like five yards of carry in that game. So he already looked good in, you know, 13 carries, two receptions. He already looked good in his first game in what was not a very good matchup and, you know, against the seal, a good Steelers defense. The next thing, and the reason I like buying on David Montgomery is because look, he is a guy that is in an offense right now that is quietly playing better. I'm not into the Justin Fields hype of like, Oh, PFF has him graded as the best quarterback in the NFL over the last two weeks. If you, Okay. If you believe that, I got a bridge in Brooklyn I want to sell you. All right? <laughs> like, I mean, my God. And I'm not saying that PFF doesn't actually have him great at that. I'm just saying if you believe he's the best quarterback in the NFL or he's anywhere near that right now, God bless you. You know, but what I will say is I do think that Chicago offense is getting better. I think they desperately needed to get better. And I think a big part of them getting better is their commitment to the run game. And that allowing Justin Fields to work off the play action off of that, play action bootlegs off of that, which we saw some of his best work in on Monday night. And I just think that's a, a combination that works for them. And so I think they'll continue to do so. And the more efficient a, an offense is passing the football, the more efficient the run game will be and vice versa, right? So I think David Montgomery – is a true every down back. And he's the guy right now that if you're Chicago, like opposite of Aaron Jones in the sense that they just paid, Green Bay just paid Aaron Jones. Now Aaron Jones is an extremely valuable asset to that football team. Chicago could look at this this way. They could say, hey, <clears throat> Montgomery is, I think, in the last year of his rookie of his rookie deal, right? Or if he's not, he's in the third year. But I think it's last year. Point is, they could be looking at this like, let's – you know, you let's kind of I don't want to sound like, you know, uh, insensitive to this, but let's run him into the ground. 
right? We, we, we're paying him, what, a million bucks this year on a third-round pick rookie deal? There's no reason they have to feel the way that the Packers have to feel about Aaron Jones at this point, right? The Packers had that option to do last year with Aaron Jones. They they didn't totally do that, right? So it's a situation in Chicago where you got a desperate coaching staff that needs to win to keep their jobs, and David Montgomery is the best running back on their roster. They need to commit to the run. David Montgomery should be the guy. And, and I mean, again, if he played 85% of the snaps in his first game back, that should tell you the intent of the team moving forward. By the way, he's on bye week this week. So you may be able to get him uh, at a discount just because the team may be desperate. I mean, if, if they lost David Montgomery, the third round pick anyways, they may not be winning the most games in your league. Hence, they may be willing to part ways with them right now with the combination of all those factors uh, in, in play. So I think that uh, Montgomery is going to be a top 10 running back the rest of the way. And I think that you can give up less than that to acquire him. So I like the idea of buying on Mr. Montgomery right now. Okay, next guy I'm selling on is uh, 49ers receiver Brandon Ayuk. And, and I mentioned this a little bit the other day in the pod with Josh. I could see Brandon Ayuk finishing the year strong. So there's a little risk in this, okay? However, this may be your only chance, okay? And if you kept him on your roster as your fifth-round pick, sometimes even a fourth-rounder, right? Like, this may be your only chance to return, to make that a valuable pick for you, right, from your draft. And I know the draft was a long time ago, but the point is you may be able to get a legitimate guy that you would have happily drafted in the fourth or fifth round or whatever, sixth round even, for Brandon Ayuk right now because he just went six for 89 in the touchdown. And people are thinking, hey, that makes sense. We always thought he was going to be good. Now he's going to start playing well. Like if he was available on waivers, people would have used their, and he was in like 40% of leagues, by the way, people would have probably used their top-ish waiver priority on him. So that should tell you the demand for him like if you picked him up off waivers and you use a top priority and you're listening to this podcast now and you're thinking, damn, I just spent X amount of fab or waiver wa- uh, position on Brandon Ayuk. I think that you did that because you knew there was demand for him right now. And I think that that's what you can capitalize on when you sell on him right now. So the reason I think he produced at an, at a you know high – first of all, let me make very clear. I think he's extremely talented. I think he's extremely talented. I'm high on him as a player, so this has nothing to do with that. But I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to keep using him. I just don't. I think that Debo was a little banged up entering that game. I think that it just kind of like, yeah, we'll use him this way. Just like they did with Trey Sermon a few weeks ago. Sermon turned in an 18 for 92 yards, something like that, performance, 18 carries. And Shanahan immediately went back to Elijah Mitchell the next week when Mitchell was healthy. I think that same thing could be in effect here. Even though Debo played last week, he wasn't fully healthy. Give Debo a little rest. You know, uh, show the threat of Ayuk. Let's get back to Debo. I'm not saying he's not going to have any more games like this. I think he'll probably have a couple. But I don't think it'll be a consistent production thing for Brandon Ayuk. And because of that, I think you should take advantage of this opportunity right now and go ahead and sell on him. Just get him off your roster. Don't worry about it. Um, like I said, there's a little risk there because, yeah, he could become that guy uh, and finish very strong because he, he was awesome at the end of last season. But based on what we've seen so far this year, I'm not ready to, to go there with him. So 
I would sell right now if you can and uh, go ahead and just cut your losses and get somebody that you can trust in there. All right, another guy I'm buying on, this one, the Denver Broncos rookie running back, Javante Williams. In my opinion, and I've been banging his drum all season long, and if you've been listening to me, you've been disappointed because he hasn't been the high, you know, or, or the, he hasn't been the RB2 that you hope for, right? No doubt about it. Last week, right, and a lot of times I mentioned fantasy owners will look at just the points that their guy scored because we don't have time to look super detailed into every single one of these games, the average person at least, right? And so you look at the points he scored last week. It was like, yeah, whatever. It was the, you know, it was okay. Melvin Gordon was better is what you're thinking. Melvin Gordon played higher percentage of the snaps. Melvin Gordon scored more fantasy points. Therefore, he was better. I'm here to tell you, Javante Williams was a much better player than Melvin Gordon last week. And for several weeks this season, he's been the much better player. Even as a rookie, he has yet to have one game where he's finished with fewer than 10 touches. Okay. <clears throat> last week, as the season's progressed, you would imagine a rookie would have more, you know, workload on his plate, right? Well, last week was his third highest snap percentage of the season and his most carries of the season with 17 for 111 yards. He was very good. I think that this team, Denver, is going to run the football, right? They are going to, they are guaranteed to continue running the ball. All you need is what I believe is a very likely thing to happen with the touches that this young man's going to get is a positive touchdown regression. Even if the, the workload just stays the same, which I do believe it will increase, you get a positive touchdown regression with a increased workload, even to a slight degree. I think that Javante Williams is a legit mid-range RB2 for you. And right now, I really think you could – like, what if a team's desperate for a receiver and you offer Brandon Ayuk for him? I mean, I, I think they'd consider that, honestly. I, I mean, no guarantees, but I, I do think that's possible. And I think that um, if so, I would do that immediately because I think Javante is – we haven't seen his best football yet, and I think that he'll start scoring some touchdowns here before too long. His ceiling, in my opinion, rest of the way, low NRB1. So take that for what you will. All right, next guy I am selling on, and this is probably going to surprise some of you guys because this has been the RB2 in points per game over his last over the last five weeks, and that's Alvin Kamara. <clears throat> what has been Alvin Kamara's call? And he was my RB2 at, before the season, so this is not me, like, you know, take-locking or whatever you call it, right? I thought Kamara was the RB2 this year. He's been the RB2 over the last five games. I could pound my chest and say, hey, I was right. Look at what's happening. But I'm not. I'm doing the opposite. I think that Alvin Kamara, his calling card of his entire career has been what? Efficiency, right? That has been what we loved about Alvin Kamara. He doesn't have to, you know, carry the ball 20 times. He's only done so twice before, two times in regular season games before this season. The, the efficiency this year has not been there. What has been there is touchdown dependency and incredibly high volume. What did New Orleans just do? They just traded for Mark Ingram, right? That may not, you may not be threatened if you're an Alvin Kamara fantasy owner by Mark Ingram, but I think that if you've been reliant on very, very high volume this season to have a productive Alvin Kamara, which you've gotten, to be fair, now New Orleans just traded for Mark Ingram. What does that tell you? That tells me that they're thinking, hey, 
we can't keep giving this guy 25, 30 touches every week, right? We need somebody that we can, you know, send in there for eight to 10 touches a game. And I think that guy is Mark Ingram. Now, why that's bad is because we've seen a less efficient Alvin Kamara this year. If we assume that that will continue, which I think is fair considering he's averaged fewer than four yards a carry, like he's averaged either two or three yards a carry in each of his last three games. He's had fewer than 30 receiving yards this year in five of eight games, five times 30 or I'm sorry, 29 or fewer receiving yards. So to me, I think that selling on Alvin Kamara right now, and you can use the fact that he's been the RB two over the last five weeks. Um, but I don't know if we can count on this volume slash touchdown, you know, productivity to continue. And I think if that happens and if that doesn't happen and we don't get the same uh, volume, then, you know, I, I don't think he'll be the RB2 from here on. If I had to say where would he finish from here on in terms of my running back rankings, I think he'd be somewhere around the RB6 to RB8. Somewhere in that range. <clears throat> we'll see how that ages. Remember, this is a week ahead of week 10. So at the end of the season, if you guys remind me, if you want to troll me, if I'm wrong, RB, I'm mean, sorry, week 10 through 18, where did Alvin Kamara finish? We'll see if I'm wrong about that. But like that, that would be my guess as to where he'd finish. And he's, again, one of those guys that the brand that is Alvin Kamara could always and should always net you very high compensation in a potential trade. So I do believe that. And look, if you want to keep him, I'm totally fine with that too. But I just think there is some profit to be had there if you want to go ahead and, and sell him right now. All right. The fifth and final guy that I am buying on, well, it's, there are more, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to make this a three-hour long pod, so I'm going to shorten it up. Last guy I'm buying on is Michael Pittman, okay? And here's why. Last five weeks, this guy's been the wide receiver eight. There are some dude that always asks when I do the, the start sit questions, when is Michael Pittman going to start producing? He's been the wide receiver eight in points per game over the last five weeks. Okay, so he's been producing, brother. Um, okay, here's why I like him even more. He's their clear wide receiver one in, in Indy. No doubt about it, right? They're starting to open up the pass game a little bit more because they're starting to trust Carson Wentz a little bit more. The heavy respect for the run game that is maybe the best runner in football and Jonathan Taylor right now will lead to more one-on-ones for Michael Pittman. And I think naturally that will lead to more deep shots for Michael Pittman. Two things I believe he will excel in those situations, right? He'll excel when you throw him the deep ball, he can go up and get it. He will beat one-on-one -on -one coverage because he is an excellent route runner. He's not one of these guys that's just to go get a deep ball guy. He's an awesome route runner as well. I mean, you don't have 115 catches or whatever he had at USC by just being a guy that they're throwing go balls to. You know what I mean? That's not that that's not what that is. So to me, I think Michael Pittman right now has doesn't have the brand name, right? So the perception of him is like lower than what his productivity level will be. I think in terms of ceiling, this guy could finish a top five receiver the rest of the way. I really believe that. In terms of floor, I think he's a solid wide receiver too the rest of the way. And essentially, he's a must-start guy for me. I really believe that. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm buying on Michael Pittman. I guess I'm buying on two Colts. I think I'm. I also think the Colts are going to finish the season strong. So that does make sense to me. 
All right, last guy we're going to talk about in terms of sales. This guy's Amari Cooper. Okay, why am I selling on Amari Cooper? Well, he has a solid name brand, right? Amari Cooper, you know, uh, Dallas Cowboys receiver. He's got popularity. Okay, he's had three or fewer receptions in five of eight games. The three touchdowns he's caught over the over the past five games. That's the only thing keeping his fantasy uh, point totals respectable. Since week one, he's done nothing like what he did in week one, right? He's, it, it was the crazy week one game. People were taking victory laps because I, I saw a dude say, I had Amari Cooper as my wide receiver for uh, fantasy rankings, and I think I was low on him. Well, guess what, brother? You were extremely high on him, okay? So there's that. I think that... Uh, you know, I just think that right now, if you if you make a tr if you trade Amari Cooper right now, I just think that there's a very strong chance the guy you get in return will give you more stability, if nothing else, less volatility come playoff time, than what you'll be getting with Amari Cooper. So I am very much on team sell uh, in regards to Amari Cooper, and I think you should do that, man. I really, I really do. You don't want that kind of volatility on your roster for the playoffs. You don't want to be think sitting there thinking, should I bench Amari Cooper right now ahead of my fantasy playoffs? That's not something I'm comfortable with. Go ahead and get him off your roster right now. Let's get guys we're super comfortable with. And, uh, who cares if the name value doesn't match the product, uh, you know, the, the production value, because the production value is all that matters. All right, guys, I guess that's going to be it for this podcast. I, as always, I appreciate you for listening. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That would, that would mean a lot to me. That would be really big for the growth of Fair Shake Football as uh, Josh and I are doing, you know, podcasts on video. It, you probably have listened to them on here, but if you could go check them out on YouTube as well, or at least give me a sub and, you know, just you don't have to even watch it. But I'll tell you one thing. I am going to prioritize because I have to. I'm going to prioritize answering any questions at all, anything, on in the YouTube comment section. I'm going to answer all those. I'm backed up on the Instagram DMs. I will be like getting caught up on those, but I will definitely prioritize answering all questions in the YouTube comments because that helps with the algorithm and ultimately the growth of the channel, and I do have to prioritize that. But anyways, as always, appreciate you guys for listening. I'll talk to you later. Peace.